you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hi and hello football fans, your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. what's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes, Stitcher, NFL.com, and now, NFL Now, let's talk about what's coming up, but first let's say hello to the man seated to my immediate left, one of our favorites here, it's Bucky Brooks, happy training camp to you. What's the poop with you, fella? And the man excited, training camp is on the way, we finally get to talk about and really see people playing football, so I'm excited about all of that. Oh, I don't think you've heard the news, Bucky. We have oh, to derail oh. football-based conversation. We have to talk about suspensions and stuff, at least for a minute, then we're going to dig in. On the NFC East, we will continue our series of ifs. We've been going division by division. So far, we've knocked off the AFC North and the NFC South. Today, it's the NFC East. We'll go through each of those four teams in the East. We'll say why they can win the division if and why they will have an embarrassing 2015 season if that happens. So we'll dig into that. Plus, we're going to talk to the Pittsburgh Tribune Review's Mark Caballi in just a little bit. I'm sure he'll have some thoughts for us on Lev Bell. And probably in the big picture, I want to kibitz about the new era of the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, Dick LeBeau out, Keith Butler in. So all that coming up. In the meantime, though, like I say, Buck, a couple of things right at the outset here, training camp, headlined by Lev Bell suspension reduced from three to two. Tom Brady's, on the other hand, upheld. How say you, Buck? The cover-up is more critical than the crime. And I think what happened, Tom Brady got pinched for not being cooperative when he had an opportunity to really tell his side of the story to the investigative team. And so by withholding the information, he really put it all on the commissioner to make that judgment. So I hear all the Patriots fans talking about what Tom Brady has the right to withhold his cell phone and not give the commissioner those things that they needed to complete the case. But the commissioner is well within his right to come down hard on him because I felt like this is a reaction to – Spygate. 
Yeah, that's right. Things that have happened before, the Patriots towing the line, the Patriots being caught up in things. Repeat offender. That's right. And I think their arrogance and them kind of thumbing their nose to the league about, oh, deflate gate is just simply deflated balls we didn't know. I felt like there was something bigger to it. And I think what they really wanted to do to the NFL is they want to figure out what was going on. If he had made a simple case like, hey, I didn't know, uh, I like my balls a certain way, we sorry, we apologize that it went below the threshold, I don't think it would have been bigger. But I think by covering it up, it made it a bigger, a bigger issue than it needed to be. So he gets punished because of that. Yeah, listen, for the record, P.S. I don't care at all about <laughs> deflated footballs and P.S.I. I don't, you know, it means nothing to me. But like you say, it's gamesmanship. You know, whether you agree with it or not, this isn't don't get up on Mount Pius and moralize about this versus, you know, aggressive felonies that players commit. It's it's this is a gamesmanship issue, just like Major League Baseball a century ago shelved an entire White Sox team for cheating. You can't have cheating scandals in a professional sport. The the entire thing will uh, will implode if you have that sort of thing. Lev Bell, conversely, there is no recidivism here. You know, this is his first time getting caught with something. So in my book, obviously, call me biased as a Steelers fan. You know, by the way, I am going to Foxborough for the, uh, for the big game there. And, you know, to me now, <laughs> Lev Bell, even though it's been reduced, it's now just two games. And LeGarrette Blunt still is down for one game. Tom Brady now has free time on his <laughs> Why don't we all just get together and get in a car and drive around Foxborough, right? Drive around Gillette Stadium while that game's going on. I think that would be a, a positively great idea. You know, oh, there you go. I don't know why we're in Malibu. Why are we in Malibu for this picture? I thought we, we're we're going to drive across the country. I was thinking more around Gillette Stadium. I, I like the convertible because I Thanks. know Lev Bell and Legarry Blunt would certainly appreciate the convertible, making sure that it's airy and breezy. <laughs> so I'm sure that would be good. And then with Tom, with Tom Brady, like being on an extended vacation, he also can appreciate if, that. If we need to, we can. If, if if Tom Brady prefers, we can deflate the tires a little bit, whatever, <laughs> whatever he wants. But he has to ride in the backseat. He definitely doesn't get shotgun on that one. All right, next, let's talk about what this means to the Patriots. Now let's dig into some football. And Jimmy Garoppolo, what do you think about how, – how does Belichick, how does the team try and do something to, to tailor the offense more to Garoppolo than obviously what you have in the uh, in the vet Brady? Well, I think the great thing is they've had an entire offseason to really figure out how they want to proceed with Jimmy Garoppolo. They had to know something was going to happen. Yeah, well, they had anticipated the fact that it came down. And even with the appeals, you now have the opportunity to put a plan in place to make sure Jimmy Garoppolo is able to be prepared and comfortable being the starting quarterback. This is a kid coming out of eastern Illinois. I liked his athleticism. I liked the fact that he can move around. Quick rhythm passer. And talking to his college coach, Dino Babers, who's now at Bowling Green, he said this guy has the quickest release that he's seen. He likened it to, and you'll appreciate that being a Pittsburgh man, to Dan Marino in terms of his ability to get the ball out. Doesn't have the arm strength nor the arm talent, but he is very accurate. The ball comes out quickly. Does a great job making decisions in a quick rhythm passing game. Has some experience last year during the regular season. I think it's imperative for the Patriots to get him ready to play by really giving him extended action in the preseason and then building that plan around him. What I do like about him and Josh McDaniels is Josh McDaniels has shown the ability to get good quarterback play out of everybody he's touched. I think we will see this guy have much of the same success that Matt Castle had when he took over for New England years and years ago. Yeah, you're right. Even when he was in Denver or whatever else, the Broncos, the team, the quarterback played well. Right. 
That's interesting. Would Garoppolo, let's put him on a random team. If he were on the Jets would, and without the baggage of having to take over for arguably the best quarterback in the Super Bowl era, would Garoppolo thrive? Would you expect him to be a good pro QB? I mean, I think he can be a good pro quarterback, but I think a lot of what happens for young quarterbacks is how does the offense coordinator manage situations and circumstances for them? How do they build the playbook to allow those guys to play to the strengths of their game? I think with Josh McDaniels, he's a proven guy that will tailor-make his system to make sure the quarterback is very, very comfortable. The job that he did with Cal Orton in Denver, to me, was remarkable because I never saw Cal Orton or envisioned him being that kind of player. What he did with Matt Castle, another example of his ability to really find a way to get those guys on track. I think with Jimmy Garoppolo, look for the Patriots to be a little more creative because he's more mobile than Tom More creative. Yeah, more creative. Think about – read option stuff, zone read Mm. things where you put the quarterback in play, allow him to run around a little bit, movement-based passes. But really, at the end of the day, the Pages are a quick rhythm passing team. This plays to the strengths of Jimmy Garoppolo's Garoppolo's game. He needs to be on point. They've given him plenty of reps in offseason, but now we know that he's going to be the start of the first quarter of the season. It now becomes the Jimmy Garoppolo show up in New England. Well, here's the thing from a Steelers fan's perspective. Now the Patriots, with Tom Brady, the coronation after the Super Bowl and all that, it wouldn't have been shameful to lose to the Patriots up in Foxborough. But now Jimmy Garoppolo, my summer's ruined. If we lose to Jimmy, just the threat of us losing to Jimmy Garoppolo to start the season. Really? Haunts me, and, and now I'm not even, you know, I can't enjoy summer the rest of the week. Well, I mean, it's time I, to start getting real. I mean, I think it's a big game, obviously, for the Steelers, but I think the Patriots are going to play well. But understand, this is a Patriots team that is in transition. They lost four of their top four right. corners uh, in, the, in the secondary. They're playing with a different cast of characters, and so that defense is certainly not as championship caliber as it was a season ago. That gives the Pittsburgh Steelers a lot of hope, particularly with that offense that they're bringing in. The All right, let's break it down here, Buck. Four games for Brady on the shelf. Let's get through it. The Steelers, who's going to win that game? Let's see where the Patriots are going to be by the end of this suspension. I think emotionally the Patriots will find a way to get it done. Even though I think the Steelers will be a better team going to that, I think in front of the home fans, everyone charged up, I think they find a way to get a game. I'm sad to say I agree with you. Then they go to Buffalo at the Bills in week two. Big pass rush, all that. I think Buffalo beats them. Buffalo beat them at the end of the year last year when Jimmy Garoppolo played primarily most of the game. I think they find a way to get it done. I agree with you there. So one and one for the Patriots, home against Jacksonville. We we needn't waste any time with that one. Although they did almost lose to the Raiders in Foxborough around about the same time. Then at Dallas. I think Dallas gets them. I think Dallas is built to be a playoff team. Dallas is built to make a serious run at the Super Bowl this year. I think they commit to run the football if they find a way to spread the ball out, find Dez Bryant, work Cole Beasley in the slot, Terrence Williams, and also Jason Witten. I believe their pass attack will be too much for the Patriots. And in a shootout, I'm not necessarily confident that I want Jimmy Garoppolo to have to play in a game like that. I'm with you. So two and two by our. I think if they're two and I think if they're two and two at the quarter pole, I think Bill Belichick is pleased because he knows he's getting a fired up Tom Brady coming back. I think they're going to run as soon as Brady gets back in the fall. And what do you expect Belichick to? You know, the thing that with me with Belichick is he knows how to plug players in there. I mean, I, I, you know that that secondary is going to be good. You talk about the losses that they've had. There's some magic that they can be okay. But remember now, before they got Revis and Browner, they struggled on defense. And the fact that Tom Brady has been so good has been able to really master defensive defensive flaws. But 
This year I think is different because you don't have a guy that can necessarily lock down a receiver. You don't have the ability to play what they did a lot last year, which was play cover one rat where they had man-free, man-to-man coverage along the line of scrimmage, had one guy helping on the inside. I don't think they have that ability to do that because I don't think their cover guys are as good. Them playing more zone, I think it opens up the field for teams to attack them. I think it's going to be tough for them. All right, let's move on to uh, to issue number two here, the dawn of free agency over the weekend or just in front of the weekend. Shady McCoy had what I thought was a gangbusters idea. The <laughs> Buffalo Bills didn't like it so much because they didn't like seeing the logo involved in this. But all right, fine. If you want to do that, uh, if you want to remove that, I mean, I, listen, I fully support this idea. How about you, <laughs> It was a special invite. I mean, if like, you didn't hear, it was, it was female-only invites. Well, here's the deal. Um, oh, here it is. Now in a, a social media <laughs> <laughs> era, when you like to have these things, look, this is nothing more than a back-to-training camp party. Like, this goes on in every city, every player. Most teams have a player that has a back-to-camp party. Everyone comes out, has a good time. It's the last shin- shindig before they go to camp and get serious. Don't be cavalier. Sh- this is – I mean, but this is this is really – Did Bucky Brooks have a private event celebration? No, no, no. I, would, I didn't have enough <laughs> foresight to do it. However, I do understand and I appreciate it because he invited only ladies. I know. Look, we want to make sure that the ratio is up to par. We want five or six (laughs) to one in every party. Shady McCoy is just ensuring that there are enough women in the place to make sure that the guys have enough options to choose from. I know, but if it's female only, the ratio isn't going to be five. No, because his friends will be there. His teammates will be there. Oh, so the if you whole think game about that, out. yeah, it's, it's just no, he's gonna have his guys. He's gonna have his guys there. He's inviting the guys. He just he just doesn't want like that's like nice you and I. A, he, does, he don't want he doesn't want us in the building. Do you know that's a nice? T- I didn't realize the whole Bills roster was invited there. Hey, that's hey, a nice on. way to ingratiate yourself to new teammates. What I mean, that's have what you a party. Do. You like said it. You said it out for the boys. Everyone goes home happy. Everybody's happy going to camp. We all yeah. go to camp. You've been to summer camp. Darnell Dockett liked it. I know that. Yeah, listen, I'm all for it, and a lot of players liked it. A lot of fans liked the idea. I, but then politically correct America had to swoop Yeah, in. the, the stiffs got involved. Spoil the fun. Yeah, they, they, they messed it up. It turned into a, you know, men and women welcome, and they serve smoothies. That's what it turned. It went from an all-female shindig into, like, let's have a smoothie party. That's a shame. That's too but healthy. I, I, I don't understand why anyone has the, opp- the opportunity or the right to tell you who to invite to your party. I know. It's well, maybe the logo is It's your party. Well, I mean, we can take the logo I out. I want to show you this. See, I, though, it's a, it's a I, don't, I don't abide by politically correct America's rules. I went out and behaved myself the way a man behaves himself oh, on yeah? the weekend. Bucky, I ate a lot of food. Have you ever been to, to Grand Central Market in downtown Los Angeles? No, I have not. I want to give you a quiz here. Okay, Let me show you something see, up see here. I ate Ooh. some of these things here you in ate one a lot sitting. Of, a lot of the stuff to the left. It's a big a lot food of the meat. court. A lot of the meat. Well, let me just whatever, say, not a lot of veggies. It's a big, and you consume some of the stuff at the top right. This Grand Central Market is one of the original uh, food courts. Okay, you, know, it's, well, you see them in all the malls now. It's brisket, it's pastrami, it's French fries, it's collard greens. No collars. You didn't beers. You didn't that. There's you got, you got cheese, beer. No oysters, smoothies. Champagne, grilled cheese. And that's a milkshake in the well, bottom Well, you, right you are from the steel, you're from the Steel City, so I know you're a blue-collar guy. So uh-huh. I'm going to say that uh, pastrami definitely was on the menu. Yeah, it was. Beer was definitely on the menu. Correct. Uh, no champagne. I mean, maybe you squeezed in a grilled cheese late. But I, I think this was – maybe the brisket got in it. Because I think this is a very meat-heavy course. I don't, I don't, I don't think that you uh, – 
Bucky, you, you can I tell you something? A lot of veggies on that. Can I tell you something? Yeah. And the, I think the French fries made it. That's your vegetable. I ate everything you see right there. Oh, no way. I ate it all. It no way. Our producer What's this estimate? over here on the left? What's this on the left? Burrata cheese with tomatoes. That's I had a bur- I, I I'm classy. I had champagne and oysters. What do you have? Sh- how cheese. do you have champagne and beer? And I had a because listen, I'm, I got ranked. I mean, who does that? Do you remember? Do you remember? <laughs> who Bucky? does that? And do you ever hear JFK's famous speech about going to the moon? We do these things not because they're easy, but because they are hard. <laughs> That's why I did that. Why did I? What 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 motivated you to do it? To see if I could do it. I pushed myself. As far as I do, you remember Kellen Winslow? I do. In the playoff game where he had the 13 catches, yeah. he had the heat. He was stroke. exhausted, de- dehydrated. Do you remember Michael Jordan in Utah? I do. So that, so that was you. They, they had to drag you off. This is Damashek's. <laughs> I pushed myself. Uh, you know, for this is for the opinion makers to debate the you know to debate the merits of it, the value in doing it. That's not me. I just pushed myself as an athlete to see what I was capable of. I pushed myself further than I knew I could. And I mean, 4,200 calories, that's a lot of pushing. You're welcome. <laughs> and I'm proud. I couldn't be prouder. All right, so uh, so that that's the way a man comports himself. <laughs> Look at that. Look, see, I got, see, you see that, Bucky? Is the camera getting that? Not too bad. All right, let's talk NFC East now, Bucky. Let's play our ifs game. Like I say, we've covered the AFC North. Mm-hmm. We've covered the NFC South. Now it's the NFC East's turn, and let's start with the 2014 champion, you finish this sentence for me, Bucky. The Dallas Cowboys will win the 2015 NFC East if. They stick to the formula, the blueprint. They stick to the running game. If they run the ball successfully, if they're committed to running the ball and let that offensive line do what they do in the trenches, I think they have an opportunity to go back-to-back in the NFC East. This is a team that's very, very talented. They dominate people up front. They have an offensive line that can create a push. They have to discover a running game and a running back. Who's going to be that bell cow runner? Is it Joseph Randall? Is it Darren McFadden? Is it someone that we haven't seen yet? I believe Joseph Randall is going to be the guy average 6.7 yards per attempt he is a guy that is explosive has nice vision balance and body control look for him to be the guy that replaces DeMarco Murray Darren McFadden is there to be the veteran presence but I think this is Joseph Randall's job to lose interesting I'll go with to me if they can have either and better yet both but if Greg Hardy or Randy Gregory meets the most optimistic expectations Imagine that defense, which was good last year. Rod Marinelli was one of the stories of 2014. Not just that the offense finally got it going and they got uh, that devastating ground game, but the defense, you know, which was supposed to be an all-time awful one, was not half bad. Imagine if they get a pass rush from what, – what if both those guys are bringing it from, uh, from both sides? The Cowboys become a completely different team and a team legitimately that can win the Super Bowl in my book. Yeah, I think the D ultimately determines whether they have a good or a bad season. This is a team last year, defensively, they played better than expectations. Part of that is because the offense played keep away, limited the defense's opportunities to be on the field. I think this defense has to continue to buy into the message that Rod Marinelli's preaching play fast, hard to the ball, get turnovers, don't give up the big play. I think if they buy in and continue to play in a humble fashion, make sure that they are running to the ball and doing all the effort and energy things that he talks about, I think that defense can be good. But I think sometimes when you have success and you win a lot of games, it kind of becomes the me rather than the we. 
he has to make sure that those guys continue to buy in to the to, to what he's preaching up front. I hear you, but on the other hand, Dez is so dominant. Terrence Williams would be nice for him to emerge. Cole Beasley, Jason Witten, and all that. But boy, Dez is maybe the the most talented specimen. He is. Position. He is, and I, I like all the personnel. And he things. is very. But I think I think the bigger things for Dallas will be mentally. How do they handle going into the season as the favorite as opposed to the underdog? Can you take and withstand everybody's big punch? Because everyone now is going to gear up for them because they're going to use the Cowboys as a measuring stick to see if they're worthy of being playoff contenders. The Cowboys have to gear up and deal with that. Can they continue to deal with everyone's best punch? Interesting, and I do just want to clarify. When I say Dez is a me guy, I mean that in a good way. He wants the ball oh, no, no, in, no. He's in the clutch. He's a great That's player. I mean love the competitiveness. That. I like what he brings to the table. All right, now the Dallas Cowboys – Bad if. The Dallas Cowboys will have a bad 2015 if, Bucky. You know, it's the defense. Like I said before in the previous thing, if the defense doesn't come to play, if the guys don't buy in, if I don't see the same kind of energy and effort that I saw when I watched the tape last year, they won't get it done. Because this is a team that has certainly improved the talent base up front. Look, Greg Hardy is a guy that's a Pro Bowl player, high motor, high effort guy, gets it done. Randy Gregory is an intriguing athlete who has potential, still needs to kind of work on putting some of the fundamentals in his game. But I like the fact that Rod Marinelli has has him looking at Simeon Rice tape because they're similar athletes, similar physical attributes. But this comes down to those guys listening to what Rod Marinelli's preaching. Run to the ball, hustle, the effort, do the little things. You know, the devil's in the details. If they pay attention to the details and stay on their P's and Q's, this defense can be a defense that is the middle of the pack or above. If they finish 15 or higher on defense, I think this is a team that's going to roll win 11 or 12 games. Well, you say that, but the, the one of the big holdovers from 2014 to, to this season is Rolando McClain. That was, uh, you know, kind of hanging in the balance there, but now he's still on the shelf for four games. What are they going to do? This is a, a concern for me because, you know, he's been a ne'er-do-well, but then he has that great season and really, in my book, is one of the linchpins for, for Dallas's defense performing the way it did last year. But now Sean Lee is back, but they're trying to move him out to the outside. They have to move him to the outside. Like, when I look at these two players, I think those guys are now positioned in ideal spots for them to have success. Rolando McClain is an old-school Mike linebacker, tough as nails in the box, smart on the field in terms of communicating the calls and adjustments. He is a natural leader. Watching him on the sideline, watching him communicate to his guys, he's the guy that kind of sets the table and the standard. Sean Lee is a very active Run around, run through player. Move him to weak side linebacker allows him to play his very natural position. He can attack from the backside. He really becomes the designated playmaker on that defense. They'll miss Rolando McClain those first four games, but when they get all the, the, the band back together with Greg Hardy coming over, this defense has the potential to be a very, very good one. But once again, they have to listen to what Rod Marinelli's preaching effort, energy, bring it every down. They do that, they're going to have a chance. Well, like we say, it wasn't doomsday in 2014, but it was much better than expected, That, but it was offset by how good the running game was. As it's I've complimentary. Been, well, I've been saying this for, for six months now, seven months, but really the 2015 Cowboys are going to once and for all answer for the world, whether the offensive line makes the running back or the running back makes the offensive line. If Joe Randall or, and or Darren McFadden can get it going – I'm not so sure I believe in either one of those guys. That obviously is a given. If you think the Cowboys are going to win the division again, then it's got to go through that running game again. You can't try and put it on Romo and Des Bryant's shoulders. We can't do it. Tanny Romo Romo can't do it anymore because of his back issue. They have to be able to run the ball. I do think Joseph Randall can be a guy that can get it done. 
Let's move on then to the nation's capital, the Washington Redskins, Bucky Brooks. I mean, far-fetched though it may feel, it certainly does to me, will win the 2015 NFC East if... RG3 gets his swagger back. RG3 came in, took the league by storm as a rookie, was dominant, was outstanding, played with a smile, had all the little bounce in his step when he was playing. They did a great job of building that offense around his talents. He is a guy that, like, shredded the league, like 20 touchdowns, only five interceptions, ran for a ton of yards, executing zone read plays, got hurt. Unfortunately, he got hurt in the pocket, not doing what he was doing on the outside. He got hurt trying to be a pocket passer. Comes back the next two years trying to prove to everybody that he can be a traditional, conventional quarterback. That's not who he is. If he finds and rediscovers his game and understands exactly who he is as a playmaker, he can be a very successful quarterback. I also think Jay Gruden is going to have to bend a little bit to help him. He's going to have to make sure he understands. I have a mobile quarterback in place. I have an athletic quarterback. I don't have a Peyton Manning or a Big Ben or, or someone that can do it in a traditional fa- fashion. He has to make sure that he tailors the playbook to allow RG3 to play to his strengths. And then RG3 RG three has to be humble enough to listen and then allow himself to play the way he's always played. Well, the thing that I go with for how they can win the division and the, you know, the I, we talked uh, a couple days ago with Terrence Knighton and some new pieces there on defense, but really what can make RG3 thrive are the skill position players around him. I like, you know, Trent Williams is one of the very best in the game. They have some pieces on the line there, but Pierre Garçon, Deshaun Jackson, Alfred Morris, the cupboard ain't bare. You can't blame the guys who he's delivering the ball to no. or Kirk Cousins or anyone else. I think that he really has a nice group of guys there. He and, does. I mean, does. I know Chip Kelly didn't want Deshaun Jackson, but I wonder if you could, in a way, it's almost, well, that's a tough division to say that they have. That's a, a, a division loaded with skill position guys. But, the you know, D.C. at least can keep pace. They have an run. outstanding receiver core. They have nice pieces on the outside. Deshaun Jackson last year led the league with 13 receptions of 40 yards or more. Big play specialist, vertical yeah. playmaker, maybe the best vertical playmaker in the league. They need to make sure they stretch the field and allow him to do what he does in terms of being a deep ball specialist. Pierre Garçon is maybe one of the best number two receivers in the league. Great after the catch, dink and dunk, screen game. You know, early in his career with RG3, they did a lot of bubble screens. Get back to that. Let Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Gasson chew up yards on very high completion percentage passes. Allow those guys to do do their work. But I think for RG3 to use them, he has to be disciplined with his footwork. So many times when you look at the tape, they're asking him to do three- and five-step drops. He doesn't get to the top of his drop in time, doesn't take the proper footwork to execute it. If he's disciplined in his mechanics, he can be very, very good. But he has to work on it, work on it away from the time that he's with the coaches. He has to put the time in. He puts the time in, they can be good, he can be good, and they can get back to being what they were. All right, well, this leads me then to the bad ifs for Washington in 2015. Bucky Brooks, the Skins will have an embarrassing season if. I mean, it's it's all about the quarterback. If RG3 doesn't do those things, if RG3 goes out and tries to prove to everyone that he is a pocket passer, a guy that can do it in a traditional manner like all of the other quarterbacks that we've seen in the league, he will fail. He's not built to play the game like that. Anyone who watched him at Baylor knows that. Anyone that watched him his rookie season when he was athletic and working on the edges – 
He does that. If he allows himself to play like an athletic quarterback and do things on the perimeter, selectively use his legs to make plays uh, in the running game, he can be fine. But if he is stubborn and he tries to say that I'm going to pick apart defenses from the pocket, he will never be as efficient and competent enough to do that. He needs to make sure he understands exactly who he is and play to his strengths. Yeah, I know, but you're you're suggesting that he make like an action hero or like uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid run out with guns blazing and face what's that. I I hate to be fatalistic, but it is that, right? Isn't it like, hey, RG3, you might not get to have a 16-year career given the way you play when you're effective, but you might have a shorter career, but at least go out playing the way RG3 plays. How do you go from the rookie season he had? I know he had the knee injury. But I, I hear you when you talk about his swag. That's what seems to be gone, along with the high-end speed, maybe. How does that happen to a guy that his head when, – when have we seen this in the NFL? Trent Richardson goes from a good rookie well, season to just a zero. What other examples even are there? If you go back and you look, when he got hurt at the end of the year, then it was that uh, the Adidas campaign to be back in week one. And he wanted he, – he was stubborn in his refusal to listen to what others would say. Take your time. Make sure you're right before you get back on the field. He also was stubborn in talking to people around the building during that time. He wanted to prove to everyone that he was a pocket passer. He didn't want to run around anymore. He didn't want to do the quarterback design runs. He wanted to show people that he is a modern-day quarterback. And so sometimes – your own arrogance can get in the way. And I think for RG3, his arrogance prevented him from being the quarterback that he was his rookie year. Get back to who you are. Yes, you have to be a guy that is solid and efficient from the pocket, but that doesn't mean you have to be tied to the pocket. Use your athleticism. That is the gift that you have. Use that to your advantage. You can find a way to get it done. Well, I, to me, if you want to point a finger, it's not so much at RG3 as it is the guy in charge of the team, Jay Gruden. I mean, to me, he was out of his depth. I remember talking to you three years ago about this. How can the Bengals continue to roll with Jay Gruden here? He clearly isn't a clever play caller. Then he, for all his troubles, he gets elevated to head coach. There are 32 of these jobs in all the world, and Jay Gruden has one of them. Seems loco to me. And by the way, it's a bad marriage as far as I'm concerned. When you know that Jay Gruden preferred Andy Dalton to Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick's a lot closer to RG3 in terms of style than Andy Dalton is. So right out of the gate, they bring in Jay Gruden and then say, hey, make it work with RG3. That was a that was fail. That was doomed to fail from the get-go. Until Jay Gruden goes, I don't think I don't think this. Well, I, th- I think he's right. also been home, but I think if he's willing to relent a little bit and he's able to tailor his system to fit what RG3 does, they still can have success in Washington. All right, moving on now. Let's talk about the New York football giants. Everybody heard about that that Odell Beckham guy at the tail end of 2014. The 2015 Giants can win the division if Bucky Spags is able to get the defense up to par. That offense, I think, is going to be one of the best offenses in the league. Odell Beckham, Victor Cruz returns. Shane Vereen comes over, gives him a dynamic player in the backfield. I like some of the things they've done with that offensive line. Eli Manning played at a really, really high level under Ben McAdoo. I think he plays better in the second year under that system. So offensively, I don't have any concerns. Defensively, that's where all the concern is for me. Can Steve Spagnuolo get this defense on track? Look, I know they won the Super Bowl when he was there, did a great job of beating people with that pass rush, but I also saw him coordinate a defense in New Orleans that was absolutely atrocious. So which play caller is coming back to the Meadowlands? Is it the guy that understands how to get those guys on track or is it the guy that really struggled trying to put in a very complicated system down in New Orleans? Remains to be seen which guy shows up. 
it, you know, it's remarkable, really, to go back for all the hyperbole. And, you know, it, at some point it turns into just rhetoric when you when everybody keeps talking about the catch Odell Beckham made and comparing him to all-time greats and everything else. But it bears repeating. He had 90 catches in 12 games. He was a rookie on pace mm-hmm. to have 120 catches, which would rank among the all-time seasons. So, yeah, I think, I mean, uber talented, keep him healthy and all that. But I also think Eli Manning answered a lot of the stuff that he'd yes. been hearing that it was finished for him. I said if he had a lousy 2014, I said they might really have used a high pick on a quarterback. I mean, you're getting to that point in Eli's career. Now, though, I think he should thrive for a couple of years. Well, I think so. This system, Ben McAdoo put in, it's the same system that they run in Green Bay. Quick rhythm passing game. Uh, when I looked at him, I was so impressed at how many times they were able to run slants with flats. The slant-flat combination was their bread and butter play. Did it over and over and over again out of a variety of sets. The ball comes out quickly. It keeps your quarterback upright. And with the guys that they have in place, Victor Cruz and Odell Beckham Jr., both of these guys are terrific catch-and-run players, meaning they have outstanding running skills. You now are able to put the ball in the hands of explosive electric athletes and allow them to work in space. This system is great for Eli Manning. If the defense can just be average, the Giants' offense is going to give them an opportunity to be there. And compete in the East and maybe take it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, now let's get to the negative if here for the New York football Giants. The Giants will have an embarrassing 2015 if, Bucky. Jason Pierre-Paul is not able to come back and be the dominant player on defense. This is a guy that set the tone for their defense. When he is playing well, this is a guy that is a double-digit sack artist, a guy that could probably get close to 20 sacks based on his sheer talent alone. However, the fireworks incident, what is he like when he comes back? Can he come back and be a dominant force? Because when I look at the rest of that defensive line, I don't see necessarily a Pro Bowl caliber guy that can get after the passer, so you have to have JPP there because he sets the table. He allows those other guys to get one-on-one matchups because the offense is going to send double teams his way. He has to be there, and he has to be effective. If he's not effective, I think it's going to be tough for that defense. Yeah, it feels that way that, you know, you look at the pieces they have there, and there are a couple of decent players along the line along with JPP, but if he's not dynamic, I mean, everybody knows that those two Super Bowl seasons were based around that defensive front and the ability to rotate. It seems like they're a little light there, but it does feel to me like that secondary, which has been a weakness for them, should be a relative strength, right? Two nice corners. Yeah, I think so. I think the big thing is my young guy has to come and play, Landon Collins. Yeah. They took him at the top of the second round, traded up to get him. I love Landon Collins. I thought he was the best safety in the draft. For whatever reason, people cool to him. They peg him as a box safety. But in knowing him and watching him since high school, watching him at Alabama, I think he has the cover skills to be a guy that is very, very dynamic between the hashes. He is a guy that is a playmaker, a natural leader. If he steps up and gives them that play they need in the middle of the field, I think their corners are good enough to lock people down. I'm not I'm not uh, being glib or cracking wise, but, I mean, how weird is that going to be to try and tackle somebody with – missing a finger how bad will that be will that be a, a six-week adjustment or will that be something you never can get right from well I mean I think it takes a while to adjust to it I think he has to adjust to like his finger being amputated and how you really play up front with a lot of hand-to-hand combat how you get your hands off how you get away from blocks how you shed and shucking and, and do those things to get into the backfield he has to work that out on the practice field. And it still will take him a time some time to acclimate to what skills he has during the regular season But he's a terrific athlete, and his speed rush alone will give him an opportunity to do that. I think they have to work through the Kings, but JPP still should be a dominant player no matter what. 
no concerns. And the other thing for me that could maybe not make them a, a lousy team, but that would limit how good that offense could be is if Victor Cruz isn't what Victor Cruz was before that uh, injury last year. There's a, you, you think he bounces back? Because like you say, if you have Odell Beckham and Shane Vereen and those and those uh, hard runners, in, you know, I think uh, Rashad Jennings is an underrated guy. But no, I, I, feel- I feel like you throw Victor Cruz in the mix and he's as effective as he was. Now you're talking about uh, two all-pro wide receivers. Absolutely. Not only that, I, I believe he was the best slot receiver in the game at the time that he got hurt. I think if you looked at the early part of the season, he was killing it in that offense. He is a guy that can win on those option routes inside. We talked about the slants that they were running. He was wearing nickelbacks and linebackers out on being able to run that skinny slant, that, that quick slant on the inside. So now being able to place Odell Beckham and Victor Cruz on the same side or on opposite sides. You can't double team one without leaving the other one-on-one. I think that is a dangerous combination. If he's healthy, this offense is lights out. The NFC East is going to be very, very competitive. And so the team with the best defense is going to be the team that wins the division because offensively, Every one of these teams has an elite offense. Oh, man, it's fascinating stuff. All right, a year ago I sat here and said the Philadelphia Eagles are the easiest pick to win their division. I included the Denver Broncos in the AFC West and the the Patriots in the AFC East. I just said, well, the Eagles are certainly going to win their division. They're going to roll over everybody, and, of course, they didn't do that. The Philadelphia Eagles of 2015 will win the division if – Murray and Matthews combined for 2,200 yards on the ground. This is a team that loves to run the football. Their zone read system is outstanding. It does a great job of really putting people in conundrums at the point of attack, even though your quarterback is not a runner. These two running backs, I dare say this, they're better fits in this offense than Shady McCoy. And the reason they're better fits, they're downhill runners. This system, when you go all the way back to the way Chip Kelly ran it at Oregon, Big backs running downhill. They spread you out. They stretch you out. They get you going fast, and then they gash you right down the middle. I think DeMarco Murray, Ryan Matthews, both of these guys have success. If they combine for 22-plus rushing yards on the ground, 2,200. I think yeah, they get it. and Shady had his moments, certainly. You know, he, uh, two years ago in the first year with Chip Kelly, had a gangbusters year, had the best uh, season of any runner in the NFL. But I agree with you about the square peg of Shady versus the, these two guys here. And it has a lot to do with that offensive line. I know that the Evan Mathis thing got a lot of attention, but the pieces remain there. I, I You know, guys like you, I talk to guys that have been in the league, around the league for 20 years who really study offensive linemen, and they tell me Jason Peters – is the best offense is the best football player of all the offensive linemen in the NFL. Great athlete. He was a guy that was a tight end in college at Arkansas. So remember, he was an undrafted player. He goes to Buffalo, works himself into being a Pro Bowl caliber player. He goes to Philadelphia, has the injury, but has come back. That offensive line rivals what they have in Dallas in terms of the best offensive line. Jason Kelsey up front, maybe the best center in the game in terms of his athleticism, being able to move around. That says a lot when you talk about a Marquis County that I'm sure you're going to bring up when I talk about the Steelers. But Lane Johnson at right tackle, very athletic up front. And so you add the pace and the tempo of that offense and how they operate. The zone base, uh, the zone read tactics that they use at the point of attack to really put defenders in a bind. And then you have downhill runners like Ryan Matthews and DeMarco Murray running behind that. This offense is tough to deal with. It just depends on the guy pulling the trigger. I completely agree. And this is so easy. You could say the quarterback for anything. But, you know, if we're talking about the Eagles can win the division if – If Sam Bradford is the guy, I mean, people forget about 
the way he was touted coming out of Oklahoma, he was can't miss. And then in his rookie season, he won rookie of the year, and he showed enough to get that, and people were excited about what he was going to be, and he just hasn't been right health-wise ever since. He hasn't been right. Do you believe him, though, if he's healthy? Do you think Sam Bradford's a top-10 QB? I think he has the opportunity to be a top-10 QB. A lot of what is being missed with Sam Bradford going to Philadelphia he reunites with the guy who was his offensive coordinator as a rookie in Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer had him playing at a very high level. Understand that even though we always talk about the spread system and the option and all the things that the Philadelphia Eagles do, their passing game has a lot of West Coast principles. Pat Shermer, his uncle, Fritz Shermer, was one of the coaches in Green Bay when I was there. He was my defensive coordinator. He has been around it. He understands it. He knows how to put that in. Sam Bradford is an accurate thrower. does a great job getting the ball out of his hands. That system is conducive to him having a high completion percentage and the athletes that they have on the outside. Nelson Aguilar is going to be a star. Jordan Matthews is a good slot receiver. Riley Cooper is a playmaker. That offense can get it going. It is one of your things you preach as much as anything, Bucky, is the human connections you have. Sam Bradford rejoining Pat Shermer now. Big opportunity for him in 2015. All right, let's talk about the bad if now for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles will have an embarrassing season if. The quarterback play is not up to par. We saw it last year when Mark Sanchez took over for Nick Foles. He was up and down. The quarterback, the big thing in that system, the quarterback cannot turn the ball over. He has to make good decisions. If Sam Bradford is healthy and he makes good decisions, that offense won't have any problems. They'll continue to roll at a mask of defense that I think would be better but still has some issues. I think it all depends upon the quarterback, the decision maker. If Sam Bradford is there, they're good. If Mark Sanchez is there, he can't turn the ball over. Chip Kelly does a great job of masking the deficiencies of all the quarterbacks that have played up under him. If those guys play well, I think the Eagles are fine. I think the Eagles can be there. I think it's a very competitive division. Here's what happens in the month of August. You watch the preseason games. You hear the coaches talk. You hear players say, hey, this QB looks really good. I don't care what you hear about Mark Sanchez between now and the start of the season, how well he plays in preseason games. If he is their starting quarterback come September, something has gone horribly, horribly wrong in Philadelphia. Chip Kelly dealt away Nick Foles, who had relative success for him, to get Sam Bradford. So if it's injury or he's not up to par, I think the Eagles are in bad shape before the game even kicks off. If Mark Sanchez is your starting quarterback, the thing that helps Bradford or Sanchez, though, Jordan Matthews. It's funny how Chip Kelly just doesn't seem to care about wide receivers. But quietly, Aguilar has a chance to be good. You know, say what you want about USC receivers turning pro. You know, maybe that's, uh, you know, too small. No, I think think, think he's different. I think he'd be good. Understand. It's very systematic in his approach. Uh, he believes in his system. His belief, his system creates opportunities for players to be stars. I'm not a huge guy. Uh, believer in Jerry Macklin being a number one receiver, but when you look at the numbers that he produced in Philadelphia, it tells me that that system helps people have big plays. Jordan Matthews put up nice, solid numbers, particularly as a red zone threat. I think with Nelson Aguilar coming on, I think those dudes can be a nice tandem. I'm not saying that either is a number one receiver, but look, I played, I mean, I was scouting in Seattle. We had two guys, Daryl Jackson, Corey Robinson, neither one were necessarily wide receiver ones. And they went to the Super Bowl. Bobby Ingram was there as well. So you can get it done. The system has been in place. Understand this in the West Coast offense and some of the things that they're mixing in in Philadelphia. You can get it done without necessarily a proven number one receiver. Definitely, outside. yes. If if the NFL has taught you anything, as much as teams like to sling it around, what you what you can uh, observe is is that the teams that are winning the Super Bowls don't have 
Des Bryant. They don't have. You don't necessarily have to do that. Calvin like Johnson it, on them. Yeah. You just need them to be solid, dependable, and reliable. They make timely plays. You can get it done. All right, Buck. That all leads to this. I want your big prediction now. Give it to me. One through four. How's this division work out? Dude, one through four. How the division works out? I'm going to say Philadelphia, Dallas, Giants, Redskins. That's, that's too easy, Buck. What are you talking about? Too easy. The, the Cowboys won a division last year. All right. That's fair. Okay, good stuff. Bucky Brooks, what a pleasure to see you. Next time you're in here, I want to kibitz about uh, your best uh, training camp memories. Absolutely, let's do it. All right, there goes Bucky Brooks for the door, but fear not, we continue to kibitz about pro football with a guy I've been wanting to kibitz with for quite some time now. He really is. I'll, I'll pull back the curtain. I DM him on Twitter when I have specific Steelers-based questions because he's he's the boots on the ground for me. He's as trustworthy as it gets for America's real team. Nay, the world's team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's the beat writer for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. It's Mark Kabali. What's the poop, fella? How are you? Pretty good. How you been? Well, nice I'm ex- to be a part of this. Well, I'm excited that pro football's back, as I'm sure you are, except that you're a training camp in Latrobe. Having a good time so far? No. No, no. I'm talking about it's it's kind of terrible. I mean, the heat is just unbearable. Unlike last year. Last year was nice and cool and actually people are wearing jackets. First couple of days here, we're looking heat index over 100. And it's supposed to be worse tomorrow. It's supposed to be in the mid 90s and the heat index crazy and talking to Tomlin he says you'll never see me complain about that. He's hoping for as hot as he can get, but I don't think he's taking me into account. Well, the glass half full way to look at it, Kabali, is that uh, you don't have to do pads and uh, push heavy stuff around. You know that. Nah, uh, I tapped out yesterday. Oh, I, did I you? definitely did that. And I walked over into the shade. Well, let's uh, talk about. We'll get the Lev Bell in just a second here. That's the the big news that uh, his suspension reduced. But you know the thing that people have been buzzing about, not even just this off season, but for really three years now, it seems, is Dick LeBeau's defense, the philosophy that went into it. Now it's Keith Butler's defense. It's really a defense in transition. And what, where do you come down on what Keith Butler's going to do in 2015 with this group? They're keeping a lot of wraps on it. They're only saying, oh, there'll be a slight adjustment here and there. So us reporters are out there looking every single day at what slight adjustment it might be. Only thing it looks like right now is he's going to ask defensive end Stephon Tour and Cam Hayward to actually be playmakers more rather than just occupy blocks, which you normally see in the 3-4 uh, zone blitzing type of scheme. And now it looks like they might be adding a little bit of cover too, which is that's what Tomlin did while he was in Tampa Bay and when he was a secondary coach down there. We're not quite sure how much. He just started doing a little bit of it uh, the other day in camp. He did it some last year, but that might be a little bit of a philosophy change right now. Other than that, it's just getting some of these younger guys to get with the new defensive coordinator and try to get them up to speed. So I don't think we're going to see week one New England and you're going to see a defense out there and say, wow, this defense looks totally different. That's just not going to be the case. Well, to me, it comes down to – and doesn't they don't all have to deliver, but some, group, so, some of the guys that I mentioned, Shazier, Jarvis Jones – um, I hate to put the pressure on Senquez Golson, so let's uh, instead put it on Mike Pitch, uh, Mike Mitchell on, at the back end there. Um, do, you, do, you, do you have reason to think that Keith Butler does anything for those individuals or collectively that lets them finally get off? 
I think so. It's going to be a lot of who he chooses to blitz now because they got a bunch of outside linebackers. They're just going to rotate in right now. Jarvis Jones is obviously one that's going to have to step up his game. He he had two sacks in 10 quarters last year until he got hurt. But he and Arthur Motes are starting. Then you have the rookie Bud Dupree. Then you got James Harrison, who they want to keep his numbers down to 20, 25 snaps a game so he can be the most effective throughout the 16-game season. I mean, two, two days into training camp, he refuses to let James Harrison even put a pads on. He was not even hmm. practicing because they want to keep him healthy. And another big thing is the secondary. I mean, Cortez Allen is a guy they gave $25 million bucks last year or two, and he, he was benched halfway through the season. You have William Gay, who's in his 30s. You have uh, Shamarco Thomas taking over for Troy. You have Mike Mitchell coming off a pair of injuries. That secondary is the big thing. He's hoping that he can create pressure with some of these linebackers, even the defensive ends, like I said, Tewitt and Hayward, to help this secondary out because secondary right now is a huge question mark. Boy, of of all the bad uh, areas on the football field, it seems like the Steelers, who had a real problem in the secondary last year, did the least to actually address it for the following season. Is the premise, though, to try and create more turnovers rather than be what Pittsburgh fans have come to expect, a shutdown defense? Rather, in the 21st century, it seems like the Patriots' way is to turn teams over and and limit the number of possessions of the offense. Is that where they're going now? That's one thing that was in the spring Tomlin really, really hammered home was creating turnovers. He had specific drills of where to uh, assume where a ball is going to be thrown at in the area of the field to be able to pick it off. Because you look at their turnovers, past couple of years have been terrible. The cornerbacks, I mean, William Gay led the uh, Steelers in turnovers or interceptions last year with four, and that was the most in 10 years. So they're trying to somehow create more turnovers. That might be where the cover two comes in. That's what makes it a little bit interesting right now because the cover two is basically prevents teams to go deep, keep everything in front of you, and try to get the ball back, maybe create a turnover here and there to get the ball back to the offense. Because what they want to do is they want to possess the ball. If the Steelers' offense possesses the ball, they're going to score. They're going to score a lot. They're just hoping the defense comes along just not to screw it up. Outside of that bizarre Tommy Maddox season, it is a little uncomfortable for a Steelers fan to, to to turn things over to the offense and say, defense, just try not to screw things up here. Roethlisberger says, he's, it sounds like he's saying a lot of nice things now. Todd Haley and I are chums, and we talk about fishing and everything else. He also says he thinks the Steelers can score 30 points a game. Is it fair to say that the Steelers' defense is maybe the most talented in the NFL? Oh, they they got a lot of talent. They got four potential number one picks as your starting linebackers with Jones, Timmons, Shazier, and Dupree. No, no other team has it. I think mm-hmm. maybe Carolina's close with, with the three guys they have, but a lot, a lot of talent. And Hayward, they just gave him $60 million. And watch out for a guy, like I said before, with Stefan Tua, a guy that just has a tremendous upside. A lot of talent, but they're all of a sudden, you remember the old slow and over type of thing? They were 32 years of age, average defense, maybe five years ago. Now they're 26. They had nine guys over 30 years old. Then they have one, and that's William Gay, who will project a starter, not Harrison. So they got in the young a lot. But now that offense, that 30 points a game, that, that's not unrealistic. Uh, that's First of all, that's Todd Haley talking right there. That's not Ben Roethlisberger. Ben repeated what he heard from Todd. But when Martavis Bryant entered the lineup midway through last year, I think it was the Texans game, they averaged something like 29.5 points a game. So 
it's, it's very realistic. And do you think uh, with Roethlisberger, I, I think the quote uh, came from you, and Roethlisberger said th- the same thing to me when I talked to him a year ago, which, which is I think when I retire, people will then appreciate me. It's not a bad thing to have a chip on your shoulder if you're a quarterback in the NFL. It, it, you know, Michael Jordan did well with that and Tom Brady and everybody else. Do you sense that that's true for Roethlisberger, that he, has, uh, uh, you know, that he doesn't like not being listed along with Breeze, Peyton, Brady, and the rest? Uh, externally, he, he denies that, but he, I think he let it slip to me when he said people were recognized for what I did. He doesn't really care. He, he's been with that MO from the day he got here. It's all hmm. about wins. I don't care if I throw 10 interceptions as long as I win. But you think about it at the time, he wasn't afforded the ability or the opportunity to throw the ball 500 times a game or a year like he did last year now all of a sudden these stats are creeping in the 5,000 yards the 32 touchdowns the career highs and completion percentage and all of a sudden that pushes him to that level of the elite I asked him about that and he says yeah sure it's nice to be talked about it but he much rather wins Super Bowls and when you put these stats together now with the stats he's had over the past couple years now put those with the two Super Bowls and I mean you hate to project everybody seems like a Hall of Fame guy right now but with the wins, the Super Bowls, and now the stats, I mean, he's on he's on a path to be one of the the better quarterbacks of all time in this league. Well, that's absolutely right, Kabali, and he could retire right now. He is going to the Hall of Fame. Rest assured. I don't think there's much of a he's, case. Hey, he's going next week. To, uh, <laughs> I heard that. That's awesome. But invited him, so he, he's going. Well, you know the co- you know so that uh, leads me then to my to my next uh, to my next question for you. You know the Steelers are known for you know bridging the the generations and all that sort of stuff. Tomlin now going in impossibly into his ninth year. He's just forty three. But I have a couple of knocks that I still would make against what he's done there, in spite of two Super Bowl appearances in eight years. What is do you have a knock on Tomlin where he can get better as a head coach? Oh, clock management. That's number 1A for me. 1, 1A, 1B, 1C. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of clock management issues uh, under him. Uh, other than that, I don't know. I, I think he's really, really evolved into a coach that can somehow balance being a tough guy. I mean, think about it now. You get rid of Dick LeBeau, Brett Kiesel, Troy Polamalu, and Ike Taylor all in the same year and don't bat an eyelash, but you're able to... <laughs> You're able to have that fine line of being buds with the guys and, you know, joking with them, being a 43-year-old guy like he is. But then he can, you know, rip you a new one if you need to. It's, it's very difficult to do, and somehow he's been able to do that. I mean, think about that. You're getting rid of – I mean, four guys like that on a defense in one year, and all four of those guys were, we don't want you back either. I mean, Troy ended up retiring, but it was, we don't want you back to him, Ike. Brett Kiesel and Dick LeBeau. Wow, great point. Mike, well, I agree on the clock management. The other one I would throw out is stop losing to teams like the Tampa that Bay too. Buccaneers at home. Stop losing to Matt Castle's Chiefs and all that. Ju- I mean, Vikings Jets. and all that stuff. Jets, Titans. Yeah. That, that's Raiders. the only – that I won't have. That I won't have. Hey, Kabali, terrific stuff, and you have validated uh, all that I had wished for when I uh, targeted you a couple of years ago on Twitter. I thank you for all the uh, insight you've provided, and let's continue to kibitz as, uh, as the season unfolds here, if, you, if you're uh, down to I do so. I was going to wear my West Chandler 89 San Diego in honor of – Oh, uh, yes. We got In honor of uh, Daniel LaRusso, but it, it didn't fit. Before the season, you and I, well, let's put our heads together. Yeah, we kibitz about Karate Kid quite a bit. Let's figure out 
who the AFC North equivalents are of the cast of Karate Kid. You know? Oh, and but by the way, as good as you were, as good as Bucky Brooks was, I want to start something new. You know how the NHL has the Stanley Cup. I decided I don't know who Stanley is, but I know who Dave is, is Dave Damashek. And this is the Dave Cup, and I'm gonna give it away uh, at the end of every show. As good as you were, I think the inaugural winner is me. I win the Dave <laughs> Cup for the first time. Thank you for playing though, Mark Cabali. And thanks to you, the football fan, for listening. We'll be back with more Hooey and Applesauce later on. In the meantime, Thanks so much. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.